podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Postmatch Raw. I am not Irish and I am not Trev. It is his fault that we drew a game, though, because he is at Anfield. Um, that is how the rules go, as Carl knows, who is also with me. I'll introduce our guests before we get into possibly the worst game of football anyone's ever witnessed, and that is Dave and Carl, the scouted lads. How are you doing, Dave? Um, well, I was good up until about 3pm, and now I'm not. Yes, same. Uh, Carl, how are you? I prefer not to answer that questions on the grounds of not offending anybody's ears. Very fair. Very fair. Now, lads, normally the usual way we do Raw is we go through the starting 11, yada, yada, yada. But seeing as this was such a, well, important game, or probably the last important game now that we've dropped point, I mean, Dave... Basically, the season's over bar Man United or Newcastle imploding at levels they probably won't do. I mean, was that game kind of just the the last goodbye of this terrible season? Yeah, it was a crappy performance to, you know, cap off a crappy season. The truth of it is, had we gotten top four, it would have only just been putting a, a band-aid over an amputation. This squad is not nearly good enough. This team has lost their way. This manager has lost his way. And a massive overhaul is needed in the summer. And if we'd snuck into top four, it would have been because of the ineptitude of United or Newcastle, most likely United. We didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve top four based on this season. We have been an abomination this year. We've dropped points in 18 games. 18 games we've dropped points, and that's completely unacceptable for a squad of players, including the likes of Allison, Virgil, Canate, Trent, Moe, Thiago, etc., but there's too many hangers on. There's too many who are past their best. And there's too many that have been allowed to rest on the laurels and get too comfortable because they won a couple of medals. And um, it's a massive summer. It's the biggest summer this club has faced in a long, long time. Because if we don't get it right, our future becomes quite bleak because Arsenal will continue to strengthen. Newcastle are only going to go from strength to strength from here. United will spend again. Chelsea will be much better next season. You'd imagine Spurs will be back on track next season and Villa are improving. So the league is going to be better next season because it couldn't be worse. The league was awful this season and yet we're still going to finish fifth. And that just kind of sums up where we are this year. Yeah, Carl, and same question. Are you really, I mean, your thoughts on the season overall, barring one one last miracle, but I assume you'd agree it's fifth now or even sixth. I'm not sure what the situation is there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we had to win out. That was the first thing. I think if we had dropped any points anywhere along the way, we wouldn't have been even going into this game. And that's the same that it happened in this game. You had to 
win all and hope that they didn't in a couple of them. So um, no, no further pretensions. I think I think we only need like I think a win guarantees us fifth, doesn't it? But even if we don't win, I think Brighton have to win out. So probably will be fifth. Doesn't really make much difference if it's fifth or sixth anyway uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the competition. So. Um, nothing to be said other than disappointing to be honest if we finish outside of the top two it's disappointing when you're not even getting to 70 points it's really really poor and when that leaves you outside the top four as well just a dismal all-round campaign to be perfectly honest uh sooner we put it behind us the better but as dave absolutely rightly says only if you go and rectify the errors that we've had because if you just go and think that you're going to get better by repeating more or less what you've had and what you've done then i'm afraid that's not going to work well for us next year no, I fully agree. I fully agree, and I'm sure you you lads will be uh, doing many a podcast over the summer, um, hopefully reflecting on transfers that are done early or transfers we desperately need. Um, but anywho, that is summer content. Um, we will get into this game. Um, I mean, team-wise, it's not really worth talking about. I think both teams were as expected. I think Kamara just come back from injuries, probably the only thing. Um, Bobby obviously back on the bench and the other lads who were leaving uh, weren't fit enough story of their careers uh, I forgot Milner existed um, I missed the first five minutes lads I'm just going to assume like the other 200 minutes that were played nothing happened yeah, pretty much yeah <laughs> pretty much yeah from um, the off from the off Villa just looked more up for it than we did right okay. they just looked more clued in than we did the only surprise in that Villa team was maybe Bailey starting over Buendia. Um yes. but you know they they were they were really well set up and they were really disciplined and we asked the question well I asked the question multiple times what happens in this new shape if Trent doesn't have a good game and we saw what happens today the mm-hmm. issues with the other players in that midfield become exposed Curtis drifted in and out of the game wasn't involved nearly enough Fabinho was left overrun in midfield and had to commit countless fouls. Eight, 800 fouls. <laughs> and the other fellow was just appalling. Absolutely abysmal. And somehow managed to survive until the 70th minute. But Trent not playing well means that that system doesn't work because there's not enough else in that team for it to work. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, Carl, I mean, your thoughts are, I don't think anyone disagree that Trent had a bit of a stinker. But as as uh, Dave kind of alluded to, everything is so forced through him, obviously. And if we go back to our old team, we'd usually have a Thiago there who could carry some of the weight. Robertson used to be able to at least create some stuff, but he's now 
handbrake in his new role and he's kind of in crap going forward a, a, a bit um, this season as well. Um, but yeah, w- would you agree with Dave there that the, the, the system and Trent being pretty much appalling today, it just highlighted the issues that are still in with this team and, and new system that, well, you did a podcast on last week, didn't you, about the uh, negatives and positives of this system? Yeah, I mean, like the the reliance now on Trent is going to be a factor which we have to solve across the next three months. It can come from recruitment or it can come from um, solving other tactical parts of the conundrum that we've now created for ourselves. So today, I don't think Trent, you can say, is the only issue. I mean, you can look at, uh, let's say, the the wide areas. I don't think we performed well mm-hmm. at all. Nobody who was in those wide areas did well. Uh, the front three at the minute are not really vibing as a unit. Like individually, there are some good moments. There can be some good uh, movement off the ball, that kind of thing. But as a three, we're not really seeing too much link play at the minute. I think that's a, a really, really big area we can improve next season. Um, and then individuals were, were not particularly good today. I mean, Diaz, I'm not sure he actually made a pass today. He yeah. Was, you know, had one of those days yeah. where he was just trying to take everybody on every single time, but not just him. Uh, Trent was trying to take on too much individually, uh, which is something that we're going to have to rein in next season because he's got this more involved role. Um, Henderson was just an abomination. Uh, Salah didn't get anywhere near enough involved. And Gakpo, I think, up until about, I don't know, maybe an hour, 65 minutes, didn't really have much involvement at all in decent areas or decent combination play, I didn't think. So individually as well as structurally, I think we were way, way off it today. And usually we would still have a way of fashioning some chances, whether that is offset pieces or just, like I say, in the wider areas, getting decent delivery in or, you know, someone running from deep in behind. But we just had nothing today. Like set piece delivery today was so, so poor. Really, really obvious really easy for Martinez to deal with all the time. Like Mings played well in terms of his clearances, yeah. headers and all of that lot, but the delivery wasn't good. Let's, let's not drop it. We made him look good. Yeah, it, was, it was very poor. It was always to the same area. There was no real variation mm. there at all. Uh, we had a, a lot of things didn't go very well today. We made him and John McGinn look like absolute stars and they're both bang average. And, you know, you, you can go through our team. Like, Robbo had an absolute stinker as well and was very, very fortunate in the first half that there wasn't a raft of free kicks given against him because he his hands all over Leon Bailey and was pulling and dragging out of him. When Leon Bailey had to get treatment, it was because Robbo basically body slammed him to the ground and nothing was given. Uh, now, the referee did make up for that by giving 14 free kicks anytime Fabinho... Oh, well, we'll uh, talk about the referee. Anywhere near yeah, anybody. <laughs> but, it, it, like, it just... We've had in this run that we've we've been on. There's been plenty of games where a number of players have played poorly, but it's worked largely because Trent has made it work because he's been outstanding. Like the last game we played, Diaz wasn't good, Gakpo wasn't good, but we still won the game because there was enough creativity between Trent and Mo, and Curtis had a really good game, but when one or two of them drop off, and in today's situation, it was all of them. Like, that's just what happens. We've talked about Fabinho in recent weeks, how he's been better, but how he still looks really slow and how he can't cope mm-hmm. with runners just going by him. And that was the case again today. <clears throat> like, there's just there's too many issues with this team. And, and as I've said before, I just don't like this this idea that we're morphing into a team that looks like a very, very cheap, badly put-together Pep Guardiola tribute act 
we're not going to beat Man City playing their football. We're just not going to do it because you can't play their football better than they do. So if you go out trying to be them, you will lose to them. We need to win by doing what we've done in the past, which is being smarter off the ball and being bigger, faster, stronger, more aggressive, more intense on the pitch. Like that's where we were a couple of years ago. And it's just been allowed to lapse. And rather than rebuild what worked, because we know it works, we're trying to do something else. We're trying to be far too clever. And I'm sorry, but a seven-game win streak against crap teams doesn't change. That it, 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 It's not going to work. The only, the only thing that's acceptable for Liverpool next season is a title challenge and winning the Europa League. I'm sorry, that's just it. They're the standards. And even... At that, I, I just don't see us getting anywhere close to City next season because there's so much work to do. Like, we've allowed it to go so far that we need a massive rebuild. Now, if we do the proper big rebuild, then I would take, you know, fourth and a decent run in the Europa. I'd take that if it's a proper rebuild. If it's the usual half-arsing where we see number 14 there, starting 25 league games again next season, despite having been shit for three years now. That's not acceptable. And that's when heads will have to start rolling. Yeah, I think I worded it on Nina. Was it Nina? It might have been Nina Shaw, the main pod last week. It was like, if we are to catch up to Man City, which should be the aim of this club and has to be the aim of this club, we have to catch up to Man City this season and then we have to make the extra jump of what they'll do in the summer as well. So we have to make two jumps in one. And God knows what they'll do with the the threat of financial punishment towards them. They might just go mental, but time will tell with that. So, yeah, it's going to be a a huge summer in terms of that regard. But um, in terms of the game itself, I mean, my notes aren't as detailed as Trev's, I presume, in normal fashion. But this game was so crap, Carl, that I don't think there was many notes worth taking because obviously the there's been stories and and people have been taking more notice about um, in-game time of matches. And I expect today's will be about 15 minutes. 58 minutes in a 110-minute game. Jesus. I mean, the one thing, and we will talk about this referee and the officials in general, but I suppose the one thing you can say in their favour is that even if they didn't stop the time-wasting, the relentless time-wasting, at least he added it on. Like, But this was a, a slog to get through. Let's make no mistake about that. It was so obvious and blatant and ridiculous, some of the stoppages that were being demanded basically and that were given it was an appalling watch for so much of it yeah it really was it really was what did you say 55 minutes Dave did you say 58 right so that is that is shockingly bad Um, and there was 10 minutes that's literally one of the halves of football considering there was 10 minutes added on in one of them Um, so yeah that's fantastic Um, I mean Dave the first real note I mean there's little stuff like sloppy play and Robbo missing a pass and stuff like that. But I think the first thing I have no, I've really noted down is the Villa penalty. And that kind of summarises the game. They obviously miss it, but I think it's more who's sloppy with the ball up top in the, in the top right corner. And they just counter attackers. I mean, firstly, your thoughts on the penalty, but our defence in transition, I think is something that was really exploited in this game. We just could not, 
break their counter-attacks up at all, which used to be our speciality, as you kind of alluded to. Yeah, I mean, we're just, we're laughably easy to play through because you've got two midfielders in there that can't run and the one who can isn't an explosive athlete, like Curtis isn't an explosive player. So if someone runs through in the crease between him and Fabinho, he's not going to be able to cover that ground and get back in and Fab just doesn't have the lateral quickness to get across. So it's just very, very easy. And on the other side, I mean, it's just a piss take how easy it is to run past us and run, run in through the middle of our, middle of our, our team. Like there's nobody wanting to put a tackle in. There's nobody wanting to do the dirty work. It's just farcical. Like what I don't understand how, how we've gotten to this where the, the team that lived and died on how aggressive they were and how hard they were to play through and, that incredible defense that was the best in Europe and a midfield that would just selflessly chop people down as and when it was needed. Just other than Fabinho and at times Curtis, but he's playing an advanced role. There's just no one in there to win the ball back. There's nobody there willing to put a foot in and win the ball back other than Fab, and he can't do it all by himself. And he's too slow to, to do it all by himself. Mm. It's weird. I think out of everyone who played, it was an awful game. I thought Fabinho was literally the only one trying. Like, I thought Jones tried, obviously, but you didn't really, not much came off for him. But Fabinho, aside from getting the whistle blew at him every five seconds, he was the only one trying to get his foot on the ball, other than Trent, who tried hero ball at times. Um, but Fabinho is probably the only one who comes away with a bit of credit in a, obviously, a dreadful game, Carl. Yeah, uh, from the midfield, I'd agree. I mean, yes, from the midfield. Of other performers elsewhere. Allison's obviously quite good, but not something that's going to help you win matches, unfortunately, being at the wrong end of the pitch. Well, most of the time, anyway. You know, probably can't rely on West Brom happening over and over again. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Fabinho was doing his job at the very least, let's say. I think Jones was quite good defensively and not good on the ball, uh, didn't release it quick enough, held on to it in silly areas at times. And when he did try and pass it, it wasn't accurate. It wasn't like fizzed in. It wasn't like it has been in recent matches where people were bouncing the ball off each other, basically, and playing really quickly and having that movement ahead of them. There was none of that today. Um, I'm not really sure if there was no movement because people were keeping hold of the ball or people were keeping hold of the ball because there was not enough movement. But overall, the speed of play was way, way, way too low. And that starts with midfield. However, However else you want to judge them, speed of play starts in midfield because they're the ones who get the ball and receive the ball and pass the ball on very quickly for our uh, recycling of possession and restarting the moves. And more often than not, even when we press high upfield, that first pass is like a toe poke back to one of the midfielders. So if they're not playing quickly and they're not playing intelligently, a, a lot of the rest of our game struggles to get going, to be perfectly honest. So not a good one. Um, and I mean, Fabinho... I agree he was the best of the three, but even there, I don't think we can say he was outstanding. There were quite a few moments where he just had to give fouls away because they were past him already. And, and it's mm. just not something that he can't do anymore. I don't, I don't think that in games where we're going to be targeted through the middle or there's very, very fast counterattacks, I just don't see him as, as the one who's going to be there for us all the time next season. Yeah, I'd sadly agree with that. Um, I forgot to mention Ibu gave away the penalty himself. Was a, he tried and nearly got his toe on the ball, but yeah, it was a kind of a desperation tackle by at that stage. Um, 
they do miss the penalty, Dave, and I, I, I see you noted down a commentator saying, <laughs> <laughs> surprised he missed it. This is brilliant. So I'm watching it on Optus Sport from Australia, and before he takes the penalty, Ollie Watkins is the type of guy you can trust in this situation. And then he misses it, and he says, that's a surprise. You'd normally expect Watkins to tuck that away. Ollie Watkins is a great penalty taker. And I was thinking to myself, I don't really remember Ollie Watkins scoring many penalties. So I looked it up, and before today, he'd taken eight career penalties and missed four of them. So he's now four from nine, which is an abomination. So the idea that he was a good penalty taker or or a reliable penalty taker certainly wasn't true before this game and definitely isn't true after this game. Fantastic. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I mean, Dave, it's a, it's a weird player, Ollie Watkins, because I know he's had a, a long purple patch this second half of the season, or probably the post World Cup, I should say. Um, but he does seem to love playing against us. Obviously, he didn't score, but he's just him and Jacob Ramsey seem to be the ones causing us the most bother in forward areas. I think McGinn had a good game, as you said as well earlier, or oh, we made him have a good game. But what is it with Ollie Watkins against us? I, I just think certain players up their game against big clubs, you know, whether it's that they're trying to play for a move. Shane Long or, effect. <laughs> the Shane Long effect, exactly. Like Shane Long would be atrocious for 32 games out of a season. But when he'd play the two games against us, the two against United and the two against Arsenal, he'd be the best player on the pitch. He's been an absolute nightmare. And like, always- Sorry, there's also that thing of like the type of player who Watkins is a better player than the one I'm about to say, but even used to play for Aston Villa, same sort of thing where big teams, lower team, play on the counter attack, look to exploit spaces and all the rest of that. Andy Wyman used to kill us every match. Yeah. Every single yeah. time. He oh, was like God, I, yeah. probably a League One player for most of his actual ability level, let's say, but every time he played against us, unstoppable. Yeah, that's a that's a great shout. But like you know, Mark Albrighton's had success against us as well, and he's another very limited player. But he's got he's got speed, and he can burn us in behind. And that is kind of the main factor of it is, you know, when 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 Watkins plays for Villa against a a team where Villa are going to have the majority of the ball, and it's a deeper defensive line, and Watkins is playing up against them, he's a good player. Against a team like us that play that high line and there's acres and acres of space in behind, it just plays into his strengths. Like he's very good at spinning behind. He's big and he's strong and he's really, really quick. He's got a decent touch. You know, he can take people on. I like Ollie Watkins. I I do. I think he's a good player. I think he's underrated. I think he'd be best in a front two with kind of an out and out nine because I think he's kind of like a nine and a half who's spent a fair bit of his career playing in wide areas and only mm. really moved into that central striker area in his last season with Brentford when they had Mbomo right, Benrama left and him through the middle. Um, and then he's had the, you know, the couple of seasons at Villa. But I do think if you played him in a two with kind of a, a Tammy Abraham, a Calvert-Lewin or an Ivan Tony, I just think they'd be absolutely horrible to play against. You just have... Watkins is hustle and bustle and running the channels and making defenders work and dragging people out of position. And then you'd still have that penalty box presence. The reason him and Ings didn't work is because Ings is basically a poor man's Watkins. He wants to run those channels and do all that yeah. work as well. 
if you put a penalty box presence with him, I genuinely think he'd be 15 and 10 most Premier League seasons and the guy with him could be a 20-goal season striker if good enough. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And we saw Ollie Watkins can score a decent amount of goals uh, this season as well. And it's probably the first high-quality manager he's had in a long time. Um, probably isn't Brett. He wasn't even under Frank, was he? Um, so, yeah, it's probably a, a strange one. But we see Emery's improved them quite a lot. I mean, <laughs> I'll move on to, the, the, to, the, to their goal, Carl. And I'll ask this in two parts. I mean... Defensively, it's atrocious from us. Obviously, Trent losing the man, but even before that, we headed the ball away like three or four times, and we just never got close to winning the second ball in in those situations. But also, I mean, Jacob Ramsey scoring against us, he seems to be improving every season. Um, we obviously need midfielders. I know he's playing kind of left midfield in this formation. It, how much do you think he'd cost, and would he be worth that price? Um, I think on account of contract and theirs, um, he'd cost a lot. Villa have no need to sell. Very, very rich owners and so on. Um, he actually, I know he's playing wide left for them from a starting position, but his actual areas on the ball on the pitch is not that different from where Jones plays for us at the minute. Right. Yeah. So that's that's not like a huge real difference. He plays in from out. Jones obviously goes out from in a little bit, but they both play in the channel going forward. Have defensive responsibility in that channel as well. Um, I, I think he would fit well. I think he's a very, very good player and he can get even a lot better than he is because he's still relatively um, youthful in terms of experience levels, let's say. How much he would be, I would imagine quite a lot. I think it would be probably comparable if we take uh, McAllister rumours that have been. I, I, I imagine it would be fairly comparable in price terms because, you know, English tax and all that kind of thing. Mm. Um, I really like him. I think he's a super clever player as well. He makes all the right decisions. He finds really good spaces and positions to take up. He's always got time on the ball. He doesn't take too much out of the ball. He knows what his limitations are as a player as well, which is good. And then, you know, he's got an explosive burst. This season, he's got six goals and five assists in around 2,550 Premier League minutes. Last season, he got six goals and one assist in about a similar amount of time. So, you know, the goals are there. The creativity is coming. I think next season he'll take a jump again. I, I think Carl's right. I think it would take a serious amount of money to get him out of there. And like he said, Villa has no, has no reason to sell. Villa are a very wealthy club 
with very wealthy owners who are very ambitious. They've got a manager in Unai Emery who has a track record in Europe. So, you know, if Villa get in, you can expect that they'll go a decent distance, I think, next season in whether it's the Europa League or the Conference League. And they're going to want him to be part of that. But for me, you know, he, he would be one I'd definitely be targeting if, if we could get him out of there. But I just don't think there's any chance we could. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He's probably going to cost upwards of 70-odd mil, isn't he? Um, and we need experienced, ready-built players. And I think that's what McAllister probably is. Um, and if you're paying that, you might as well just go get Caicedo, which we're probably not going to do anyway. Um, anyway. Uh, the goal itself, Dave, uh, I know you love a bit of defending. This was the opposite of defending. It's just a bit of a shit show from many, many different players. It's just a shambles. I genuinely don't know what half of our team are doing. I genuinely have no idea. There's just loads of lads standing around and watching. No pressure on the ball. Multiple free men in the box. Like, if if... Ramsey decides not to shoot. If he squares it, there's another completely unmarked Villa player standing there ready to tap it in from about six yards out. Trent it probably is, fouls Mings as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's awful. It's absolutely awful. And, you know, the thing is, we'd actually, we defended fairly well. The one thing in the first half that was decent from us up until that point was the fact that we were actually defending fairly well in, in most instances. I know they'd gotten the penalty, but Evu and Virgil in particular were doing a decent job. Robbo had been had been poor, but you know, that's just what you get when you play a player out of position the way we do with him at the moment. Um so, you know, despite the fact they were able to break through our midfield, I, I did think the two big lads at the back were actually holding up quite well. But then Villa just took them out of the picture with the way they worked this goal and, and our midfield let us down and our fullbacks were asleep and everybody else was just standing around looking. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Uh, Carl, I'll stick with you to finish out the first half. I mean, it, it's not too much. Henderson fouls him again. My next note is we can't da- defend transition, but we've been over that. Uh, Alisson makes a good save on Ramsey. We'll come back to that in a sec. Uh, last five minutes or so of the half, we started to actually play a bit of football. Um, and then we got the Ming's red card, uh, debacle, Carl. I mean, firstly, if you want to talk about that Ramsey chance, I mean, Allison, I mentioned this being the story of the season. Allison, player of the season, doing good stuff. Um, uh, but that, that, uh, Ming's red card, it, it's a strange one. I think some people seem to think it's a, a stone wall red card. If it was my team and someone got sent off for that, I'd be kind of thinking it's harsh, but that might just be not me not being too arsed at this point in the season. Um, but what, what's your thoughts on that? And if you want to go back to that Alison save, feel free as well. Yeah, Alison save was, was great and kind of what we expect and need from him. But again, this is just diabolical defensively. It's Diaz this time. He, there's nobody near him. He's in a one man sort of near wall. And then he sees Ramsey making the run to him and he takes one step and then goes, nah, not, not today. Not going to bother. Uh, that can't happen. Simple as that. That cannot happen. You cannot be as blase or lazy, basically, and do that. I don't really. Or nasty. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's not, it's not acceptable, really, is it? I mean, 
you know, whatever about being at the end of the season and he's had a long time out and you've got to be back to your best, but that's just running with someone. That's just a real, real basic fundamental thing. And I wouldn't really expect that from Diaz, to be perfectly honest. Um, it wasn't okay to do, and I don't really want to see that again. Good from Allison. Always we're going to rely on him, but you cannot just watch someone run past you. That is, that is a, a, a position of privilege reserved solely for the Liverpool captain this season. I don't want to see it spreading to the rest of the team. Um, but he does set the standards, you see, Carl. And when, yeah. if he's not going, but here's the thing, Carl, this is the problem. If the captain isn't going to track runners, if he's not going to do his defensive work, do you not think others are looking around and thinking, well, hang on a second. If he's not doing it, why the fuck should I have to do it? Well, they probably are, but, you know, this is something that I think um, is on Klopp and the coaches, basically, and they have to make that not happen. And I'm sorry, but it's way past time, but it's got to happen now at this moment of reset. If it's really difficult to do it when you're transitioning someone out of the team or just making them go out of the team, well, now when you're summer away, you're changing everything is when you have to do it. Otherwise, you've got nobody to blame but yourself next season if we're in the same position or you lose your job or whatever it is, okay, from, you know, from extremes that could happen for next season. that That's one of them, basically. If you don't make the, the calls which should already have been made now, you don't do it at this point. Um, the other the other thing that we were going to talk about there was, was the red card. And, yes, that is a red card. I mean, I've, I've seen lots and lots of arguments as to why it wasn't a red card, but it is a red card. It's a high foot. It's dangerous play. It's serious foul play. His studs take him in the chest. I, I don't care that the foot is already coming down. That just means his foot was even higher to begin with. If Gakpo puts his head down to hit the ball, that's in the side of his face or in his eye or wherever it is. That shouldn't come into the equation uh, in terms of is it serious foul play or not. Yes, obviously it is. Uh, that, that was a stonewall red for me. I think the only reason it's not overturned by VAR is because it would have obviously been counted as subjective in that case and he made the on on pitch uh decision and it's not a, a an obvious one or whatever the threshold is these days for whether it gets changed by the var or not so i think it was completely terrible but completely in keeping with most of the refereeing decisions i don't think it was a red card i do 100 percent. i didn't think the jota one was a red card either I think we've gotten far too soft players are allowed to play the ball yeah his foot's high it's not that high it's high Hit him above his chest. It caught him in the chest. It caught his before foot off the ground. I'm sorry. I'm just not having that as a high, dangerous foot. Like, there has to be a threshold here, and I just don't think that's it. He plays the ball. The follow-through catches catches Cody. Cody is running full force into it. Like, Mings mm. has to be allowed to play the ball there. He has to be allowed to play the ball. I think he can play the ball if he goes with his head and wins it. I don't think that's okay to put your foot up as high as he did. His head, I think his the main difference between like head height and then comes down and hits him in the chest. If if that had been given against one of our players and it was he was sent off, we'd have been fuming. If well, Jota had been if Jota had been sent <laughs> off against Spurs, we'd have all been fuming. We'd yeah, have all been fuming. And his force catches Ollie Skip in the head. Now I think the difference is force though. I think obviously I think you mentioned Gakpo running. Uh, forcefully into it as well, but I think there was a bit more force in Ming's and uh, attempt here. I did think Ming's with his toe, but I thought I did think Ming's tried to turn his foot away to not catch Gakpo full, yeah. like full Nigel yeah. De Jong in the chest. Yeah, yeah, he did. He didn't like, keep his knee extended or anything like that. But 
That's what I mean. That's why I don't think it's dangerous play. He's clearly trying to protect the player. He's playing the ball. If if he'd Nigel Deong it and caught him with a straight leg clean in the chest, I would fully agree. But I do think he tries to protect the player. And I think he explains that to the players when they all rush around as well. He was talking to Henderson and he was trying to explain to him, I'm after trying to protect him by pulling my foot out of the way. He's just run into it at force. Like, I get the argument, but, you know, for me, there there is a, there has to be, you have to be allowed to play the ball. It's a contact sport and we need to stop making it softer and softer and softer. It's already a stage where you can't touch anybody and they fall over and it's a free kick. There has to be physicality in the game. They've taken tackling out of the game. But you have to be allowed to compete for the ball. If that was one of our players and people were saying he should be sent off, I'd be fucking raging. I don't think it's a red card. I think a yellow is fine. I think a yellow is absolutely fine. But I'd look at the yellow. What would actually give me more question about a red is whether or not he denied Gakpo a goal-scoring opportunity. Because the ball hits Gakpo and goes towards the Villa goal, and there's nobody behind Mings. So that would give me more question of whether it was a red card than the actual mm. incident itself. But and he wouldn't I assume, be sent off. But that rule isn't about last man anymore. It's about purposely not making a challenge, which is to win the ball. That's just about a foul. And if he's played the ball... And obviously no, no, no. That's, that's only in the box. That's it's only in the box. The double jeopardy law is if if you get a penalty and you haven't made a proper attempt to get the ball, you can be red carded. But if it's outside the box and you foul the last man, that's still a that's still a red card. That's where I would look at it as a red card is did he deny a goal scoring opportunity? And they didn't seem to review that. But then they didn't review a few things today, which was a bit a bit funny. I mean, shall we move on to the referee? Obviously, we have the penalty shout on Henderson uh, five minutes later, which at first I thought it was, but then it was a bit divey, let's be fair. Uh, I think if Henderson had been trying to control the ball, he might have got the penalty, but he made a very clear attempt to play the ball to somebody else. Like he's played a pass with with his heel and then he's gotten clipped. And he like there is contact, but like you said, he does kind of fling himself to the ground, which wasn't the first time today. Earlier in the game, he'd faked injury uh, over on the touchline. And then when he found that he had loads of space, all of a sudden the injury was gone. It was very Luis Suarez versus Norwich, where he was limping and limping. Very Aston Villa against Liverpool today. (laughs) Yes, yes. Did you ever see such a gang of lads to be injured as much? Mm. Absolutely. Uh, Well, Dave, I'll stick with you. I mean, this this referee, is it John Brooks or Jonathan Brooks, whatever the fuck he goes by? Let's put it out there, the fourth official in the Paul Tini incident, who yeah. Klopp celebrated in front of, just to add to the layers. Um, like, I would say this is the worst refereeing performance I've seen, but we had, um, well, we had Paul Tini against Tottenham. We had um, Taylor against Brentford, was it, which was just fucking appalling. So this is in a string of poor refereeing performances. And if I, well, I'll place my tinfoil hat straight on. It almost feels like it's done on purpose at this point. Like, but the only evidence against it is the fact they're so shit in every other Premier League game as well. But like, he wasn't just bad against us today. He was he was bad against them as well. Like, 
like I said earlier, Andy Robertson just like body slams <laughs> uh, Leon Bailey and, and there was nothing given. Luis Diaz dragged someone back and nothing was given. Like there was a few kind of both ways. Now there was definitely more where I think we were wronged than they were wronged, but I do just think, I do just think they're all shit referees. Like I don't think there's actually any kind of conspiracy by any one referee. Now maybe Tierney because there's a, a, there's mounting evidence, but I do just think in general, they are all a bit shit. Now I thought him refing the game today was very, very strange that he would get this game, this specific game, given Klopp was sat in the stands for what he said to him or how he behaved yes. towards him. That did seem like two fingers from Howard Webb and the PGMLL to Liverpool. But I, I don't think it's that he's like in any way biased. I just think they're all shit referees. I think they're completely hopeless of what they're employed to do. And if only we knew a, you know, a journalist from a major national newspaper who could possibly dig into the amount of referee controversies there's been this year and, you know, they, they maybe even look at it from the angles of, you know, fans' beliefs about these referees. That, that could be an interesting read. I'm on holiday. You're fucking old. Again! <laughs> uh, I mean, technically I'm not, but after that suggestion, I fucking am. I'm putting in for it straight away this afternoon. <laughs> All summer if necessary. I see enough bloody referees during the season. I don't want to be spending the off-season looking at them as well. <laughs> well, then you need to go full Romano, and you need to get yourself a catchphrase and start throwing out 400 uh, different transfer rumours every single day. Ideal in truth, sorry. He has actually just done that. He's put transfer stuff in the in the uh, sky. Yeah, you'll notice I haven't passed it off as my own and and uh, tried to tweet it to everybody else. Though breaking news from Carl Matchett. Rumor. Here we go by Carl Matchett. Uh, my Twitter isn't doing a translate. Do do a translation, Carl. Go on. Can you not do a translation of those? I, it's been two weeks. It's been far too long. <laughs> God, it's too much drinking. Not enough Spanish. Alexis yeah. McAllister will be a Liverpool player. That's from Gaston, who works for Tick Sports in Argentina. Is Do you know if they're credible or spoofy? He is very credible. Very credible in his home nation. Lovely stuff. Yeah, World Cup winner. You can probably suggest there's reason for it. Would you like to talk about that rather than the second half? <sighs> no, because you know what? This second half doesn't deserve an awful lot of time, apart from a, a few select moments. And Alexis McAllister probably deserves his own podcast or three. That's fair enough. That is fair enough. Uh, let me click back to my notes. We'll skip over the penalty shot. I think Dave covered it. It was. It would have been very, very soft. Um, half time. My first note is referee still shit. Um, Trent is drunk, which seems to be the story of the game. Uh, they make some subs before a corner, and Carl. Uh, controversy number two. Um, this. Seems to be a new rule because I tweeted this was a fucking disgrace. And then, uh, Newcastle fan Jake Jackman, who people who read EPL will know, sent me a video of this happening to Newcastle as well against Nottingham Forest where Longstaff was offside for no apparent reason. But Carl, I mean, Esri Conza deliberately passes or plays the ball. There's literally zero doubt in my mind that he's deliberately played that. So. How is this offside? 
So the rule, which I assumed it was during the match and tweeted about it, but it wasn't 100% sure, and it indeed does turn out to be this reason, is that they we, we saw this a couple of years ago, and then it kind of faded away. I can't remember if it was Benzema against Liverpool or something like that happened. Some Someone against Liverpool, anyway, did happen one time. Um, basically, when the ball is played off one of the attackers, and there's another attacker who's offside, which in this case is Van Dijk, obviously. Diaz isn't trying to pass to him, but... Van Dijk is offside from the Diaz position of play. And what's happened is it's come off the defender. So in that case, the referee has to decide if it's a deflection or a deliberate play by the defender. Now, obviously, he's, he's given offside. So he suggested that it's a deflection, um, a ricochet, whatever you want to call it, off the defender. And it just happens to go to Van Dijk, who is then offside. But I, I just, I can't remotely see how that is the decision. He's running one way. He puts out a leg. It goes the other way. I don't know how that's not a deliberate play. Like, it's not a very good mm. play. It's not a very controlled play, but it's deliberate. So I don't really get how that is classed as a deflection. It's not like he keeps running in a straight line and it just bounces off him, which is what that rule is there for. That's the thing. I've, I've seen some people try and interpret it of, yeah, he made a deliberate move, a deliberate movement for the ball, but where the ball went wasn't deliberate. And, I just, I don't, I don't think that's really the rule. But do you know what was strange as well? They seem to be, they really did seem to be looking for something to disallow it on because they spent quite a while looking to see if Cody had handled the ball. And yeah. then the commentators that I was listening to were talking about was Diaz offside on the initial ball from Trent. Yeah. And he did look like maybe he was marginally off, but they never went back to it, never showed a replay. And never showed, um, never showed it with the lines. They just seemed to put it on this completely subjective thing of, well, Esri Kanza stuck his leg out, but where did he mean the ball to go? I mean, maybe they should have consulted with Esri Kanza, and I'm sure he would have been honest and not upfront about where he meant the ball to go. No doubt. And and just in case anybody missed it, that is literally that word you've just said. There's the subjective call is why he had to go pitch side to see it. So if it's about lines and on or offside. It wouldn't be the case that you need to go pitch side. He had to go there because it was a subjective call of whether that was a deliberate or uh, ricochet or you know, rebound or whatever. That's why ref went pitch side. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I should have walked through the goal um, beforehand, but it was a pretty scrappy goal. Uh, Gakpo gets the finish. I think it was Ibu who had a, a shot before that. Um, I can't remember what happened before that. Was he crossing and then just... Trent ball, yeah. Trent ball, Diaz knocked down, hits Konza, goes to Virgil, Virgil lays it back for Co- mm. uh, Mata, he hits it left-footed, gets cleared off the line by Tyron Brazy, bounces to Gap, <laughs> he controls it and finishes past uh, Martinez. And then it's given offside for no reason. Um, yeah, we covered the refs, it's not really worth jumping back in, but this referee who I'd never heard of before the fourth official incident. Uh, he should be getting the David Coop treatment and never doing a Liverpool game for a while. Or not doing a Liverpool game for a while, because he was fucking god-awful. Um, anyway, <laughs> my next note is, I'm actually lost, g- given up and doing notes. I am flabbergasted. So I don't know where he's at. My next one is the triple sub of Milner Bobby. Simicast, I mean, Dave, we have injuries, we know that. But we're our seasons on the line, and they're the free subs we have to bring on. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. 
This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I mean... And Jota came on before that, actually, I think. Yeah, Jota had come on for Diaz, who, as we mentioned, had had a, had, had a stinker. Um, I, I just, I don't... Look, Robbo had been really poor and needed to go off. No, Jota came on for, for Jones, yeah. Jones, which I didn't mind Jones going off because he hadn't been involved in the game, but he wasn't the midfielder that needed to be hooked. Like, there was a midfielder out there who was actively hurting us both going forward because he'd ruined five good attacking situations to that point, five of them. And defensively, he was hurting us. There was a midfield out there, midfielder out there who actively needed to be taken off. And we took off Curtis. So there's that. And then nothing happens. The game just falls into a, a bit of a lull. And then he makes the change and like, I get Robbo had had a stinker. He needed to come off. Henderson had been absolutely atrocious and needed to come off. So I don't mind Costas coming on. But, like, if you're taking off Henderson and you're chasing the game, surely the move is to bring on Elliot or, you know, to do something that's going to get you an opportunity to score a goal. Because James Milner's not getting you an opportunity. You had Fabio Carvalho there who could have come on either. So I don't really understand why Millie had to come on. Like, is it some sort of contractual obligation that there's been where he has to come on? Because they think that, you know, it's great to have Millie come on and sure, look, he's going for this record that, you know, he might end up one day as the Premier League's all-time appearance leader. But that record, when he gets it, will be meaningless because it'll be 12 years of sub-appearances. Gareth Barry played 15,000 Premier League minutes more than James Milner across his career. So it's a fucking meaningless thing. Stop bringing the guy on. He offers nothing. Bobby came on, didn't look like he was ready to, to come back, to be honest. It does appear like he's rushed back just to have this kind of farewell. Now, we know he scores, That's and that's incredible. We'll get to that, but he looked really rusty. And he looked a little bit unsure of himself with the timing of his runs and stuff. Um, but I, the subs just didn't make much sense. They didn't make much sense at all, especially bringing on Milner. Like, what the fuck was he going to do? Hasn't, hasn't done anything. Hasn't scored a goal in three years. He scored seven open play goals in his entire time at the club. What was he going to do? 
replace Henderson. Yeah, by doing the same <laughs> thing, only I'm slower. All right. I'm all right with that. We'll go with like for like. But, <laughs> um, I mean, it almost comes up straight away. Trent has a chance from the edge of the box, and the, re- and the commentator said you'd expect him to score from there. I think that's Trent, who's got a handful of goals in his career so far. Um, yeah. Any idea who the Geordie bloke was on Optus, Dave? I had no idea. No, I don't actually. Now, the, the co-commentator, you mean? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so he said during the during the game that he roomed with James Milner. I think it was Michael during Dukes, his, wasn't it? Oh, that's exactly who it is. Uh, it's Michael that's exactly who it is. It is Michael Bridges, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um who, you know, really is is a bit woeful. Um I mean he was very upfront about his um fearfulness at being a, a defensive player off set pieces and everything and how much of a not willing to put his body on the line kind of player he was. Mm. Fair play to him for that. He was also p- potentially the biggest proponent of the Tyron Mings fan club that I've ever heard in my life. Every time Mings did something, like, it's Mings again. Look, it's Mings again. Didn't, what did he say? We need a recording or a, a gramophone or something like that to just play that over and over again. <laughs> it was inspiring stuff. Woeful stuff. Oh, dear. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I mean, the game just kind of peters out till our goal. And I mean, Carl, it's probably the first time Salah, one, does something and two, maybe gets a little bit of space. He edges right a bit, nice outside the boot, uh, pass into the box and Bobby or basically gets volleyed into the ball, then goes in itself. Yeah. I mean, like it was, it was a nice end move, but I mean, it just kind of highlighted what we hadn't been doing all game long. You know, we hadn't really got Salah into too many decent areas. We didn't really get him too involved in just our all round play. Um, we weren't really very incisive. We weren't really making runs to the near post or behind the defense. There was, there was a lot of things we didn't do today. Um, which usually you need to do to score, including like have a shot on target. I think Salah had the first one of the game for us which was like 55 minutes in or something like that. And it was very, very weak and central. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it was a really good thing. Great for Firmino to score. I think it would have been much more wildly celebrated had the match context been obviously a bit different. Um, it was a little bit like, right, come on, let's go again sort of thing at the time, rather than acknowledging that this was like a final thing for, for Firmino. Um, I'm glad he got one more goal. I really am. And probably one that I'll go back and watch properly and sort of absorb in a little bit. But, you know, that was just like five seconds of play, which we should have been doing a lot more of during the match. And we really didn't. We were so poor in, in the build-up play today. Yeah, we really were. I mean, Dave, let, let's finish on a, on a happy note. I mean, it's a shit game and it's a shit end to the season, basically. But Bobby getting a goal, it's the one thing that's probably put a smile on our face today. I'm... I know he's probably in the top three or four or five for your time as a, a Klopp's time in Liverpool. But yeah, probably his last goal if he wasn't looking too fit. But yeah, Dave, Dave I mean, Bobby for you. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's very little that can be can be said about him at this point. I mean, what he does on the ball is has been vital to everything that we've 
achieved, but what he did off the ball and the sacrifices he made for the good of the team were were even more important. Like that guy as the leader of the press, as the connector of the, the two goal-scoring wide players, as the one who dropped back into midfield and gave them a dig out when they were, whenever they were getting overrun, as the guy who would, you know, always make himself available for a pass and take the ball in situations where others just wouldn't want it and would make the right decision over and over and over again. He's just been, he's been amazing. He genuinely has been amazing. And it's, 29 million pounds that was brilliantly spent by Michael Edwards, uh, regardless of Brendan running to his, his good buddy Neil Ashton in the, in the media once he'd been sacked and, and having Bobby be kind of the centerpiece of a hatchet job towards uh, Michael Edwards and the rest. Um, but look, thankfully, you know, we, we, we got to see Bobby play today and he managed to get a goal, which is incredible. Hopefully he'll get at least a bit of a run against Southampton and maybe can, can add one more or add another assist. That, that goal today, that's the 15th time that Salah has created a goal for Mo. Bobby has created 22 goals for Mo. So, you know, 37 goals between them where either Salah, 15 with Salah to Mo, Salah to Bobby, 22 with Bobby. To Salah and you know they, they've been so important and it does now mean that Mo will be the last remaining member of that unbelievable front three that was the catalyst for everything that we achieved uh, which is also a bit a bit of a sad thing but the the upside of it is that you can look at the players we have the other attacking players like Mo is still there and he's still great Diaz is is an outstanding player. Gakbo shows loads of promise and is clearly already a very good player. Jot is a good player, and I still believe Darwin will become a great player for us. So you can be very, very confident of what we have in attack moving forward. It's just a shame that, you know, time passes and things have to come to an end. And it's the right time for Bobby to leave. It's the right time for the club to let him go. And I wish him all the best wherever it is he lands, and I hope I hope he gets to live the good life. I want to see the reemergence of the smoking jacket and the slippers. Wherever he goes, the smoking jacket and the slippers has to become a prominent part of his his fit and his drip. All about the drip. Uh, Carl, your final thoughts and obviously uh, uh, what Bobby means as well. Yeah, I mean, like Dave said, I think we've, we've gone over so much of Firmino, not just recently when, when we knew he'd be going, but over the years and making the point of how important he is on and off the ball and the big moments he's had and everything. And I think he's probably the defining player for me of that first iteration of Klopp's team. Um, one of my favorite players, probably my favorite player since Danny Aga left, to be fair. Um, yeah, just someone I, I very, very much like in his, the archetypal type of forward who I really love to have in a team. Um, technique, he's got it. Ability, he's got it. Creativity, goals. But the work rate, aggression, selflessness, and everything that comes with that, putting the team first, that's just all top draw stuff for me. Um, outside of Firmino, today we just about got ourselves uh, 10 games unbeaten for the first time since actually this time last year. Uh, our last game of the season last year was on the 22nd of May. Uh, we obviously lost the next game, which was the 
Champions League final, unfortunately. So it's since then that we um, have been 10 games unbeaten. So that's kind of bittersweet in the way that it is, but it's nice to get to that kind of, of run again and make sure that we didn't lose the game. You know, we, we will need next season if we want to be somewhere challenging for trophies, the ability to not lose games even when we do play crap. Hopefully that doesn't come on the back of four months of utter crap beforehand. Um, other than that, I honestly, I don't really have too much to say about this game in terms of numbers or picking up things. I think it's one to move on quickly from and forget. Very much so. Very much so. I mean, any any last thing or dig at the referee or Villa time wasting or whatever. Any anything from me, previous before we go to plugs. I mean, it was awful. But I, like I said, the one thing I would say in the ref's favour was that he at least called it out. He booked Martinez on seventy-seven rather than eighty-nine, which most mm-hmm. refs do. He then did tell him if you do it again, you're off. And then he added on ten minutes. So from that perspective, all right, you did actually make a. Um, you didn't put a stop to it during the game, but at least you called it out at the end of it and sort of did add the time on rather than just saying, okay, well, you can have four minutes instead of three. Um, the ref was crap all game long, but it wasn't the reason that we didn't win today. Let's not pretend it was. Oh, we could still be playing now, and I don't think we would have scored. Um, Dave, anything from you? Oh, just go into plugs if you, if you want to. Um, I've just seen James Milner confirmed that the club actually overruled Jurgen Klopp in his contract negotiations and didn't actually offer him a new deal, which, you know, at least sounds like certain people in the club know what they're doing, but it's quite worrying that the manager is wanting to keep these players around. It really is. And it doesn't bode well for the summer, unfortunately. Um, final thoughts on today. Shit game. Um, couldn't really have complained if we'd lost. If we won, it would have been, you know, Probably a little bit undeserved. Top four is gone. Europa League it is. I mean, that's just, that's just a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace. And any, any and all credit that Jurgen Klopp has built up over the years is now gone. Now it's pressure time from next season. He has got to get this right because we're, we cannot be in a situation where this becomes the norm and this becomes acceptable. And people start viewing top four as success because it's just not. Top four is not success for this club. And if we get to the point where it is, then everybody has to go. That's not what this club is about. This club is about winning. And if the manager or the players aren't capable of winning, then off they need to go. So from next season, Jürgen needs to show that he's learned his lessons from this year. But based on the idea that he wanted to keep Milner, I'm not really sure that he has huge summer coming up for him. The biggest summer of his career because he's never successfully rebuilt one of his own teams, and now he needs to do it. And if he can't, then he needs to go, and the Dutch fella needs to go with him, uh, because he can't be lingering about The idea of him as the next manager is an absolute abomination. Um, other than that, Unai Emery looked resplendent today, seemed to have taken some of Carl's criticism to heart. Um, Emmy Martinez is undoubtedly, as a player, the biggest shithouse in the league. I've never seen I've never seen a goalkeeper just want to make himself the main character quite as much, but he can back it up because he's a very good goalkeeper as well. And uh yeah, that's basically it. Bubakar Kamara once again showing that, you know, there was good midfielders available for last summer if you know people had actually had a fucking look around. He's available available on free as well, which you know, since we don't like spending money, that might have helped. But other than that I can't be fucked. Good luck. I'll see you all next week.
Yeah, and we'll finish off there. I think I assume Trev's back. He may get drunk and lost in Liverpool, but if not, it'll be someone else hosting. But Trev should be back for uh, Southampton. That's the one. Um, but that's it. That was the last home game of the season. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.